This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, thank you. Good morning. So good to see you here today. God bless you. I think you made a good choice by being here. God loves you and we're for you. Remember, our goal here is to see you saved, set free, and purposed. So we welcome all of you. Bless you. If you need a Bible today, why don't you get your hand up? we like you to get the Word of God in your hands. So if you need a Bible for today or you need a Bible just to keep, we'll sow this to you. If you need a Bible, take that, all right? I want to bless you. That's how significant the Word of God is. Once you've got a Bible, go with me to the book of Exodus chapter 20. Exodus 20 is where we'll begin. We're on our second week of our series here, An Enemy Called Average. So another area today we're going to look at what causes us to be average. And every one of us in this room... We have lists, priorities, some of you write things on calendars, some of you write it on your phone, but the very things that we write down become priority. What's very important to us? So let me ask you something, what's at the top of your list today? Just to help you a little bit, have you ever thought the Sabbath day should be the top of your list? Well, we're going to talk about that, and so it's very important again that we see this So I believe it will help us today. Again, we begin in Exodus 20, verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying. Now, I'm not going to read them, but you get into the Ten Commandments, not the Ten Suggestions, not the, the pick five, not multiple choice. And so the Ten Commandments of God, they're, they're absolutes, okay? They're non-negotiable and some will say, well, that's, that's Old Testament. Let me ask you something. If it was right in the Old Testament, it's now wrong in the New Testament? No, and even the Lord Jesus in Matthew 5, verses 21 through 37, he gets over in the significance of the Ten Commandments. So today, we're going to take one of them. And this is one of them that I believe may be one of the most neglected of ever one of them. So to help us here, go with me to verse 8. Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The New Living says, earnestly remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. Verse 9. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. Now, this was Father God's statement, so to paraphrase it a little bit for you, to help you, you know what God just said? He said, get a job, go to work, that mankind, we were created to go to work. He created us to work. And so right here, Father God gives us an insight in this, and he says, six days you're supposed to work. The New Living says, that, that it's a day of, of work, but also a day of rest. Now start with me in verse number 10, and it'll help us to give us a little bit more guidelines here. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. Now, the word Sabbath there literally means to desist. Uh, again, one of the translations says it's a day of rest. So let me ask you something. How well do you observe that? Better stated, you work six days and you're commanded to rest one day. 
Now, this is what God commanded. God commanded you to work, but also God commanded you to rest. Now, today, we're going to say, uh, just take half of that. It's a Sabbath rest, and then in a couple of weeks, we're going to get into the Sabbath worship. But something happens right here if I obey this, what he tells us. And when we see here the Sabbath day rest, it's literally this, that I am to get away from my everyday job. So let me help you a little bit. If you're a plumber, that one day a week, you're not to plumb. If you're a banker, that one day a week, don't bank. Again, it, it, it pertains to every one of us in here. And I believe what he's getting over to, that there will be a refreshing in your spirit, your soul, your mind, your emotions, but also even in your body. God wants to bless us. So I was told this in my profession as a minister, that there's one day a week that I shouldn't do anything that pertains to the church. I need to get away from it. And so also that day is not just a day of rest, it's a day of refreshing. And so I believe this, that if, if you're banking or if you're an accountant and day after day after day you're trying to put numbers in your head, there's that one day you got to quit. You can't do that. And so when I look at what he says right here, we can ignore it, we can violate it, we can neglect it, we can actually blow this off. But there's going to be consequences, and they're not good. So let me help you a little bit more. Some of the other Ten Commandments here. If you murder, will they be consequences? Yeah. Well, only if you get caught. Where I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to get caught. Is there consequences for lying? Yeah. Here's a good one. Is there consequences for adultery? Yeah. But how many times... Do we see this or do we know this and we just act like, well, it's, it's not a big deal. Well, if it wasn't a big deal, why did it get into God's top ten? And so I believe to a degree this may be one of the most neglected of all the ten commandments there are. Now, keep reading here and let, it, let us go a little farther and the word will help us. In it, in the day of the Sabbath, you shall do no work, you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. And then the Lord rested the seventh day. Now this is what Father God did. So not only did he do that, he wanted us to, to imitate this. And so the focus here is to, to bring people to God, not to push them away from God. And so if I just go ahead and obey what he said and what he imitated, there's a blessing. Now, how do you know there's a blessing? Well, look how he ends with. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he hallowed it. He blessed it. And so there's a blessing that comes upon us when we begin to walk in this. Now, to further understand this a little further, go with me to the book of Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, and as you're turning to Genesis 2, I want to read this one verse for you that's found in Exodus 31. You're going to Genesis 2. You may write this verse down. 
Exodus 31, verse 16 and 17. Listen to this. Therefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. So something happens on that day when I obey it that I believe there becomes a refreshing upon every one of us. And that's not only physically, emotionally, but that's even spiritually if I would just obey it. So how many of the blessings of the Lord have we missed out on by not obeying this? And I said, we. I can just tell you, a couple of years ago, I was in a session with about a thousand pastors. And the question came up and it said, How many of you in this room do you observe a Sabbath day rest? Now let me help you a little bit on that. For most pastors, we we work on Saturday or Sunday. And so the pastor that was saying that, he said, my Sabbath day rest is on a Monday. Every one of us in this room should have a Sabbath day rest, whatever day that is. And he said this, on that day, I do nothing that pertains to the church. He said, one of the ways I get refreshed is, he said, I have a big tractor. And he said, I love to drive around my land and just escape where I don't think about things. Now, I can tell you this, one of the reasons we have a Wednesday night service is because we have a large portion of that Wednesday night service that their only day off is that Wednesday. So here's a thought for you. Do you think God would send people to hell because they have to work Saturdays and Sundays and they can't come to church so they observe a Sabbath day rest on a Wednesday? See again, don't mistake the law for the intent or the meaning of the law. God wants to help us in this today. So look with me in Genesis 2 verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Now, isn't that interesting? That the creator of the universe, the creator of every one of us in here, he worked six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. So in between the services, one of our dear ladies in the church Sherry Russell, Sherry, are you still in here? Yeah, she's way back there in the back waving at me. I can't see, I can just see your hand waving, so I know it's you. She said, use me as an example, Pastor. She said, I've done this for years. And she said, we've been taught that if you'll work six days and rest seven on the seventh, whatever that may look like, God will bless you. And it's very similar to that of a tithe. When you honor God, even with your day, that day it's saying, Father God, I believe in in what you commissioned, what you commanded. Now, think about it in this sense right here. We live in a busy, busy society. We are a go, go, go oriented society. But that doesn't mean I can override this. Now think about two businesses in our society right now that are extremely successful 
that they honor the Sabbath. Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby. And if you look at what they've done, it's incredible, but it shows me right there, no matter how busy we are and how much money we would think we can make in this, if we would do what Father God said, there's a blessing upon that. And if I think I can violate it, I'm going to get in trouble. I believe this is one of the greatest issues why many of us in this room have an enemy called averages because we're wore out. If I was to go around this auditorium right now and I could say, how are you? You know how most people would respond? One of two ways. I'm tired or I'm busy. Now let me ask you something. Who sets your schedule? I do. But yet, if I don't set my schedule and I don't make this day a day of Sabbath rest, I'm going to get in trouble. I, I cannot violate this. And so God here, he begins to give us the, the model of what we're supposed to do. Verse 3. Now watch this. Then God blessed the seventh day and he sanctified it. He sanctified it to those who observe it. The true intent you're going to enjoy blessings. So when it says he blessed it, here's my thought again. What are me and you missing out in the area of God's blessing every time I violate this? So where it says right there that God blessed it, that cross-reference to Isaiah 58. Go with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 58. And let's see what the scriptures will tell us about that. And so, as you're going there, many of us in this room that are getting a little bit older, I'm going to be careful of my words. I remember years ago, I remember in the 60s as a child, that there were very few businesses that were open on Sunday morning, or even Sunday. Gas stations were closed. Um, if you're older, do you, do you remember the, the blue light day? How many of you remember the blue light day? Some of you raised, I didn't say the red light day, I said the blue light day. Get your head out of the gutter. The blue light day, there was only certain times you could go in, and you, you couldn't, you could just buy food. You couldn't buy light bulbs or anything else like that. And so, as time progressed... Now, now, businesses, restaurants started opening at lunch. Now, hardly any of them are even closed to this day. So as a society, we've started to decide, you know what? This day called the Sabbath day or the sundry rest, it's not that big of a deal. Let, let's just go ahead and violate it, and it's all right. And so now we see this in our society. We work, and we work, and we work, and we work. Could the reason there's an enemy called average be this right here that we violated this? Watch here in verse uh, 13 and 14 of Isaiah 58. If you, turn your, if you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, now how would you do that? From doing your pleasure on my holy day, and you call the Sabbath a delight. Let me ask you something right now. 
How many of you woke up today and said, whoa, it's a delight. I get to go to church today. I get to honor God today. I get to worship God today with the saints. But it's interesting that he uses this word here. And he said, and they shall call the Sabbath a delight, a joy. And the holy day of the Lord is honorable. The message says right there, refusing business as usual and making money running here and there. He goes on to say, nor finding your own pleasure and speaking your own words idly. Now, if I obey the, the Sabbath, like he said, watch this, here's the blessing. Then you shall delight yourself in the Lord. Part of delighting myself in the Lord, to delight myself in the Lord is to obey the Lord. And that's not with a sour attitude to get up and say, oh, crud, i got to go to church today. I'd rather just stay home all day. And I, I ought to have a delight to say, man, Father God, I get to come before you. And you shall delight yourself in the Lord. And I, Father God, listen to this. I will cause you to ride high on the heels of the earth. God says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put you in a position of great honor. A great honor. Now, where, where or how did that even happen? When I just obeyed the Sabbath and I delighted in it, and I said, Father God, I'm going to obey it. And then he ends with this and he says, and I'll feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. And by saying that, you know what God's saying right there? I'm going to take care of you. The world thinks they're going to get ahead by working that day and dishonoring the Sabbath. But if you'll honor it, I'll honor you and I'll take care of you. I'll bless you. See, again, oftentimes it's like the tithe. Our little heads have a hard time uh, uh, comprehending the things of the Word of God. But something happens when I just obey it. And he ends with this and he says, the mouth of the Lord is spoken. In other words, God has said so. So when I look at this, the Sabbath day is just not about a day. It's a disposition of my heart that says, Woo, I delight in obeying you, Father God. I, I delight in coming into the house of God to be around you. And so again, what have we missed out in the area of these blessings by neglecting this day in our busyness? And I can try to justify it any way I want. I can try to excuse it. But again, right here, God's given us the blueprint. Now, I want to go in the New Testament with two passages this morning. Go to the book of Matthew, chapter 12. And we're going to see a little bit of what the Lord Jesus had to say about this. And again, you'll find out Matthew 12 is where we're going. Jesus didn't neglect the law, but he always, he always had the meaning or the intent of the law. And what you're going to find out here is you're going to find out what's the most important thing to Jesus. Now watch, Matthew 12, verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. And when the Pharisees, they were the religious leaders, they saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful, 
or permitted to do on the Sabbath. So guess what the religious leaders do? They, they kind of slap Jesus. And if you'll note there, they said, your disciples are doing right. what's not even permitted on the Sabbath. In other words, Jesus, what kind of ministry are you holding up here? What are you doing? Now, if you go back and you study the New Testament, the only time you would ever really see Jesus get angry was at these knuckleheads. The religious. Keep reading. But he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him. Now remember, David, man, he was, he was King David. He was the man with a lot of them. And he said, How he entered the house of God and ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, for those who were with him, but only for the priests. And so he's saying, so what are you going to do with that, fellas? Verse 5. Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temples profound, or they desecrate the Sabbath and are blameless? Literally here, these guys, they, they took the bread on the Sabbath and they broke the law too. But it was viewed as okay. So what you begin to see here is what takes precedence over the law in Jesus' eyes was people. It was always people. And so as I looked at this, there was a couple questions that, that jump out. And, and, and what we got to ask ourselves is, does, does the rule, does it serve God's purpose? Does the rule, does it reveal God's character? But here's the greatest thing. You can always ask yourself this question. Does the rule lead people into the family of God or does it keep them out of the family of God? So do you think these guys eating grain on the Sabbath, going through the field because they were hungry, God's going to say, you're out? No, he's not going to do that. How about this? Well, because you don't tend church on Saturday, because Saturday is the Sabbath, you're all going to hell. Do you really think God would do that? So again, it's more of the disposition of the heart, the intent behind the meaning, than to say, this is what God's going to do. And so if the law was so great, these guys couldn't keep it. And neither could me and you. And so this was Jesus' heart. So think about this. For God so loved the rules of the Bible that he gave his only begotten son. That's not what it said. For God so loved the world. So God's number one goal is for people. Always has been, always will be. And so that's what Jesus was telling them. Come on, boys. What about people? Verse 6. Yet I say to you in this place, there's one greater than the temple. How does he answer that? But if you had known what this means, I desire mercy. I desire what's in your heart and not sacrifice, not your stinking rules and your nitpicking. You would have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. In other words, the Sabbath was made to serve us, not us made to serve the Sabbath. So I believe a lot of times we get hung up on this. I had a young man here in the church a few years back. And his dad would tell him over and over, because you don't go to church on Saturday, 
you're going to hell. And I said, do you really think the Lord would send you to hell for that? And I said, that is a religious spirit behind that because if you truly believe in that, that you have to live by that, the Sabbath starts at 6 in the evening on Friday and it ends at 6 o'clock on Saturday. So to fulfill it, to, to fully obey that, that means Friday night at 6, you can't go to the movie. You can't go out on the town. You know what I said to him? I said, let me ask you something. Does your dad ever go to tech football games on Saturday afternoon? He said, yeah, he loves them. And I said, he broke the law right there. So if you really look what they're saying, so Jesus is saying, quit the nitpicking. Quit it. How can we help? One more passage, I believe, that'll help us today. Turn with me to book of Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. See, Jesus is after our heart, okay? He wants a heart that delights in obeying. It's, it's, it's similar to tithing. You know what? I can tithe and my heart not be in it. There you go, God. But something happens when I delight in obeying the command to do that and say, Woo, Father God, I want to bless you. It's the same as coming to church. I don't come to church because the letter of the law says you have to. Do this, do this. That's bondage. I come to the house of God because I say, Lord, I want to serve you. I want to worship you. I want to praise you today. Look with me in Mark chapter 4. And we're going to a thing called the parable of the sower. Now to fill in the blank just a little bit to help you here. There's four categories. I believe everyone in this room is going to fall into one of those four. Also, what you'll begin to see here in every category, every one of them, all four categories, every one of them, they heard the Word of God. So we start in verse 13. And Jesus said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The Amplified says, Discern it and understand it. I believe you know what he's telling us? Live it. Learn to live this. In other words, he said, if you don't get this one, you won't get any of them. This one right here is the granddaddy of them all. You got to get the word and live it. Verse 14. The sower sows the word or the farmer plants the word of God. Here's category one, verse 15. And these are the ones by the wayside or on the side of the road where the word is sown. How is the word sown? When they hear the word. It's very important that we hear the word. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You got to hear the word of God. But watch what happens. When they hear the word of God, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Get a hold of that. What was Satan after immediately? He wasn't after their college degree. He wasn't after their bank account. He wasn't after their home. It said he came immediately 
to take away the word of God that was sown in their hearts. So Jesus is revealing to me and you right there in this passage the importance and the significance of the word of God. If the devil will come immediately for it, you know what he knows? If I get the word from ever getting in their heart, I got them. I got them. And he knows that. And, and Jesus told that to him in Matthew 4, 4. He said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And I want you to highlight, man doesn't live by bread alone. It's living by the word of God. It's just not hearing it. It's learning to live by it. And so the devil will go to great extremes to keep you from getting the word. I tell you guys, when I see that, you know what that tells me? We better overdose on the word. Get in the word. So he comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. They're done. At that point in their life until they respond to the word. Verse 16. This is the second one. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground. The stony ground represents a hard, 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 hard heart. Hard hearted because of things of the world. Now that might identify you right now. You may be hard hearted. You know what I found now? The Word of God can still get in a hard heart. That's God's desire. So it's sown on stony ground. When they hear the Word, immediately they receive it with gladness. Now let me ask you a question right now. When you hear the Word of God, how do you receive it? Does the Word of God make you mad? Does it irritate you? Do you blow it off? Do you look at the Word of God as hit and miss? Do you say the Word of God's not relevant to the, the, the culture we live in? The Word of God is wrong. I got a college professor that said that Darwin did this and this. Or do I receive the Word of God not only with gladness, but with absolute and what I mean by absolute, there's no other choices. If God said it, that's it. Whew. So again, every one of us in here, we're going to look at the Word of God one way or another. I encourage you to see the Word of God as the absolute. Now this is going to be for free, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. We're, we're getting ready to come into an election And I'm not here to tell you who to vote for. You're smart people. But I will tell you this right now. Don't vote for a Republican or a Democrat or an Independent or a woman or a man or a black, a white, or brown that doesn't stand for the absolute of the Word of God. I encourage, do your research and don't vote for someone who says, well, they're going to do this or this for me. You better start voting and say, this is what God said and I'm going to vote that way. It's not always popular, I realize that. But that's why our nation's in the mess we're in. Again, that was free. And I don't, I don't want to get over on that very long because, well, let's just keep moving on. We're still in verse 16. 
and immediately they receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves. Now notice, it didn't say they have no root. It has no root in their wives or their husbands. It said they have no root in themselves. So think about this root. The only way that I have a root is it's got to stay in the soil of my heart. So i got to stay with the Word day after day after day after week. But it says they have no root in themselves. So think about it in this sense. Without a root... There cannot be any fruit. And so I've got to stay with the Word of God. It would be like this, that if you planted a tomato plant, and and that tomato plant somehow comes out of the the soil, you're not going to have any tomatoes. It's the same as a believer that the Word of God does not stay rooted in me. I'm not going to have any fruit. Keep reading. So they have no root in themselves, so they only endure for a time. See them for a couple weeks, a couple months. And then you don't see them anymore. They're AWOL. They're absent without leave. Afterward, when, and you may want to mark the word when, when, it didn't say if, it said when tribulations When troubles, when afflictions come and persecutions arise for the word's sake or because of the word, immediately they stumble. You start living by the word of God, there's going to be a target on you. There's going to be opposition. There's going to be persecution. There's going to be attacks. Just look at Jesus. See, sometimes we have the thought, when I become a Christian, everybody's going to like me. Not. And so this is a warning, but because of those persecutions, tribulations that are going to come after, does it cause me to quit? And he says, because of that, they, they, they stumble. They're offended. They're resentful. Does that describe you or me? Verse 18. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. These are the ones sown among thorns. Now this is the one I'm really going to highlight. Because I believe this one right here is the greatest obstacle Of me and you living in the Sabbath rest right here. It's sown among thorns. So what are the thorns designed to do? They're designed to move all the word of God out of your life. The thorns are there to take over the whole crop. The whole field. I've heard it said this way. If the devil can't get you to live by sin, he'll go after you with these next three. So these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones, they hear the word. And, there's going to be three ands. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things 
enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So the design of these thorns is to choke the word. There's one translation says the design of the thorn is to crowd out the word of God. And so look at the first one very clearly and let's see if this may define you or me. They hear the word and the cares of this world. What's the cares of the world where you begin to look at them? The, the, the worries, the anxieties. Busy, busy, busy. Distractions of the age. Are you crammed with activities? And again, when I look at that, they're designed to crowd out the Word of God. I want you to think just a little bit what your schedule look like. Well, Pastor, after church today, I got to do this and I got to do this. On Monday, I got to go to school. After Monday afternoon, I got to get the kids to the dentist appointment. Monday night, we got gymnastics. Tuesday morning, we got da 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 da. Then we got to get to the library. Then Billy Bob's got a dentist appointment. Then the so guess what happens? Before long, God is crowded out of the picture. Here's what I want you to see in all three of these categories. None of them are sinful. Number two, the deceitfulness of riches. Woo, I got to have more money. I got to have more money. If I could just hit that mega million right now. Woo, 1.6. Your little mind is already meditating. I'm going to get a yacht, and I'm going to get a new Harley, and I'm going to... Think about what he said, the deceitfulness of riches. So we go back to last week there in Revelations 3, where he said, I got money, I got wealth, I'm in need of nothing. I got life by the tail. The deceitfulness of riches. What else would be the deceitfulness of riches? I, I, I got to have an image. I got to keep up with the Joneses. And if you're Jones, I'm not going after you, okay? It's just a figure of speech. Got this image. I want my kids to be viewed this way. Well, your prosperity is not based on what your kid drives. Your prosperity is not based on just because you have a certain type of clothing. And I'm not against you looking nice. The deceitful of riches. How many have ever said this? I'm just trying to get ahead. I've done it. I'm guilty. What do I mean by that? See, again, we say those things in the name of, oh, we're wanting life to be so much better, so much But the other side of that is that is a thorn that literally crowds out the, work, the Word of God. And in this name of our society of more, 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 we're the society of more. You can, you can raise your hand if you like. You don't have to. But how many of you got more shoes in your closet than you know what to do with? Thank you, Clarence, for being honest. Were you raising your hands on you or is that for your wife? No, I'm just kidding. See, again, the deceitfulness of riches. Look at the last one. And the desire for other things. The passions, the pleasures. 
Woo, entertainment. Is God against me going to Disney World? No, until that becomes your God. Woo, the passion for other things. I want to do this, and we want to go there. And so guess what? In that frame of mind, the Word of God becomes crowded out. And look what he says there. And these things entering in, they choke the Word. They suffocate the Word. And the word becomes unfruitful. So in that statement right there, guess what the word of God was designed to do? It was designed to bring me and you fruit. So when I look at this in this area of the Sabbath, when that's part of the word of God, and that's one of the things God said, if you'll do this, I'll bless you. I'll give you rest and I'll give you refresh if you'll purpose in your heart to do this. But if I don't do that, have I lost the very fruit that he said that would come with it? I have. The last one. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word and they accept it and they bear fruit some 30, 60, and 100 fold. Guess what he says there? Those who accept it. Those who welcome it. Those who live by it. Those who allow it to start taking root. And you say, well, that's never happened to me. Well, keep it planted in that soil. Don't get mad when it's not. Keep it there and keep watering it. Keep getting in the Word. Keep trusting God. And so I look here and here's the thought. Are you settling for average? Just normal. Lukewarm. Let me ask you, does this describe you right now? I'm busy, busy, busy. I hurry, hurry, hurry. I owe, I owe. So off to work I go. Here's a, here's a completely reverse thought today. Instead of having a, a to-do list, why don't you have a to-don't list? <laughs> what do I mean? There's times in my life where I just got to say, uh-uh, uh-uh. Today's my to-don't list. I'm not going to do that. And so there's a thief on every one of us right now that tries to get us off of this Sabbath rest. And we as human beings, we're awfully a lot like a car. That You know, when a car's in alignment, man, it's, it's good driving. But how many ever drove one that's out of alignment? You let go of that steering wheel, next thing you know, you're heading for the ditch. You go very long, and guess what? All day long, man, you're switching around trying to... See, all these things, these thorns I read, they're designed to get you off God's beat. What God desires for every one of us. So when we were kids growing up, we used to have a saying, and we'd say this. I double-dog dare you. We just didn't dare you. When they said, I, I double-dog dare you. You know what that meant? It's on. It's on. I, I double-dog dare you. 
Well, I double dog dare you today. And say, Lord, help me, grace me, teach me to get a Sabbath rest. Now, I wish I could stand before you and tell you I'm totally innocent and guilty and all the above, whatever. God is still working me through this. And so my Saturday, I, I tried my best every Saturday to rest and do anything that will refresh my mind, my soul, my spirit. And I've gotten where a lot of Saturdays I don't leave my house. And I said, Lord, I, I want you to bless me with this, that as I rest, refresh me. Again, whatever that day for you may look like. I know many pastors will do that on Mondays. But what would happen if we begin to do this? I believe it caused the family to come back together. What I mean by that is growing up we would we would eat dinner every evening together without the TV on. Ah! We can't do that. No cell phones. where there became an eye-to-eye -eye contact. We were able to talk. But, oh, Pastor, we've advanced. Yeah, we've advanced. Some of you are losing your marbles you've advanced so far. And I believe it's in the name of hurry. I think it's in the name of busy. And every one of us in here that have kids, grandkids, we've said stuff like this. I, I want my kids to have it better than I have it. For this, for this thing called the rat race, you know what? You win the rat race, all you are is the head rat. It's brilliant, Pastor, brilliant. See, I believe this is a warning from the Lord to say, you've got to slow down. You can't keep this pace up. Because if right now, if I said, how are you? And you said, you're tired and you're busy. This is you. Why don't you stand up here today? Wow. It's quiet in here. Kind of like a funeral today. Maybe people are dying. Again, I want you to know I love every person in here. Something happens when we preach the Word of God. And I hear the Word of God and I see that and I look and I say, that's me. I, I've gotten caught up in this. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.